It's time to write a new story. This is Success Stories with Madison Piper. It's the place where women discuss how to make an impact. Here's your host, Madison Piper. Hey there, and welcome to Success Stories. I'm your host, Madison Piper, and today I am so excited to bring in our special guest. Now, if you watch TV in the mid-2000s, you've probably heard of the hit reality TV show, Duck Dynasty, which ironically is where today's guest got her first start. Born into the Robertson family, Sadie Robertson Huff made her television debut as just a young teenager on the show. Since then, she's been a contestant on Dancing with the Stars. She's a New York Times bestselling author, a nationally known motivational speaker, podcast host, influencer, entrepreneur, and so much more. You could arguably say that Sadie Robertson Huff is one of the most prominent voices of her generation. And now she uses her platform to inspire people and women everywhere to live fearlessly and live original. Sadie, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. We are so excited to talk to you here on Success Stories. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on. I'm honored. Thank you so much. Well, we're so happy to have you here today. And Sadie, today we have so much that we want to talk to you about. Um, But really, I want everybody to know that you are so accomplished and at a very young age. So I want to go back and I want you to tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are and where it all started, because you've made a big impact. And I think that story will help everybody understand a little bit more about you. Yeah, so a lot of uh, crazy, I guess, life turns happened. So I'm from Westminster, Louisiana, which is a pretty small town in Louisiana. And um, honestly, just grew up in a really, I say normal, what is normal, normal-ish family. I uh, had two great parents. I had, um, you know, siblings. We liked to be outside a lot, just lived a fairly normal life. Um, but my dad worked for like my family business, our family business, and it was um, a duck hunting business. And so they made duck calls and different things. And so anyways, years go by, he's doing this, working for the family business. And my mom was like, Willie, this is my dad's name. It was like, Willie, your family is so crazy. Y'all could have a reality TV show. And so that kind of led my dad to start pursuing what that would look like if we had a reality TV show. And really his intention was this would really help, you know, the business. So we had a show on the outdoor channel for a little while. And with that, um, we didn't just, my dad didn't just hunt. He kind of welcomed all of us to be a part of it. So we all get to be a part of the show, and because there was family on there, people's wives started watching the Outdoor Channel, people's kids started watching it, and um, it got a lot of views, and so big networks started to recognize it, and that's when A&E ended up picking up our show, and we had a TV show for a little while called Duck Dynasty. So that was kind of our life from the time I was um, in eighth grade to the time I graduated high school. So my whole high school career was Duck Dynasty and filming and different things like that, and that's, I guess, kind of where I got a little bit known, but um, I was still, I don't want to say in my family's shadow in a bad way, but I was just kind of in my family's shadow. And then whenever I was 17, I got asked to be on Dancing with the Stars. So go out to LA, do the whole experience. It was wild. It was just crazy, but the most fun thing. And whenever I finished, I kind of um, had this overnight sense of success 
success, if you will. Like I gained over a million followers within a month. Like all of a sudden I went from being like kind of known as like the daughter of Willie to like actually for um, myself. And so I really started asking God, like, God, what does this mean? And what does this look like for me? Like clearly you've dropped this uh, opportunity in my lap and like I have this platform, but um, it feels rather meaningless because I don't know what to do with it. And um, during that time, I ended up seeing this woman preach. And it was the first time I'd actually seen a woman preach. And as I was watching her, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And it was cool, not because it looked cool. It was cool because every word she was saying was impacting me in such a deep way. And it was every word I needed to hear. And I just thought to myself, I was like, if I could have that kind of impact on someone's life, that would be just amazing. If I could speak words that actually matter. And I know that the Bible talks about how like words hold the power of life and death. And so if I could start using my words to bring life into people, like that would be the coolest thing. And so I kind of just started doing that. I did that through YouTube. Then it was through books. It was through podcasts. Now it's through podcasts and blogs and still YouTube and all the different things. And so that's kind of my, um, you know, story in a nutshell of how I got to where I am. But God has been uh, so good and just continued to give me, you know, speaking of the book, Live on Purpose, kind of give me a purpose in my life. And I want everybody to understand that everyone has that. Everyone has the opportunity to do what they're doing on purpose. I think sometimes you just have to reach a point where you ask God, what is the purpose in what I'm doing? Just like for me, I had this platform, but I didn't feel like I had purpose. And the minute I said, God, like, show me where the purpose is in this. And he did, I actually felt like what I was doing was very fulfilling. What I was doing was actually making a difference in people's lives. So Sadie, I'm so glad that you're talking about purpose because that's something that we talk a lot about here at Success is the power of purpose. And a lot of people don't know how to find or recognize their purpose. So it's inspiring to see a young woman like you pursue your purpose and your passion to such a full extent and at such a young age. But Identifying and chasing your purpose can take confidence. It takes a lot of courage, which we all recognize, and both of these things which you exhibit so well. But with you being so young and so established with such a big following at such an impressionable age, I can only imagine that that had some impact on your self-esteem, probably both in positive and negative lights. And with that said, I know that you've been really open with discussing self-esteem and more specifically your relationship with your body and eating disorders, which is so important and impactful. And I really want to talk about that if that's okay, because I know that there are women everywhere who can probably identify with those struggles specifically. So if you wouldn't mind, can we talk a little bit about that? Because you being so vulnerable and hurtling over your fear on these topics has helped a lot of women find community and connection with what they're going through with their relationships with food and body dysmorphia and so on. So what gave you the confidence to be so vulnerable and open with this part of your journey on such a public platform? Yeah, you know, I think... Anytime you open up about something really serious on a public platform, it's a very um, vulnerable thing because and it's not like the, that's the only time you're going to talk about it. Like, you know, years ago, whenever I said that, here we are, we're still talking about it. So it does give you kind of a platform to speak on something. And I think that can be really scary at times. However, I felt like it was so necessary because of how many women struggle with the same thing. Um, within my friend group, we started talking one day and it was just about 
every single one of us struggled with either an eating disorder or body dysmorphia or um, just the negative body image views of ourselves and negative body talk and body shame. And um, I think I just realized, like, why is it like this? That, like, everybody struggles with this. And then I, you know, looked online and it was like something uh, like 97% of girls struggle with an eating disorder or body shame at some point in their life. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I just realized, like, one, like, I'm not alone in this. And two, it doesn't have to be this way. And, you know, here I am years later and I'm really free from that. You know, I don't think about what I look like all the time. I'm not, you know, um, in any kind of disorder with my body. I'm not um, shaming myself for what my body is or what my body's done. And I'm, I'm like sad that I did that at one point. And I'm sad for the girls who's who are in that position right now because I know how real it is and I know that there are so many reasons and so many different things in your life that got you to the point of why you're doing what you're doing. But I just want to encourage you that you can have freedom from that. Just like Jesus can free you of anything, that's something He can free you from in an instant. And I just remember one day, uh, and sometimes it's not going to be instant. Sometimes it's going to be gradual. Sometimes it's going to take months or weeks or days, you know. Sometimes it might even, you know, it might even be free and then you relapse, you know. But it's going to take a commitment to actually wanting to be better. And so I just wanted to walk girls through like, hey, I've been there, but I didn't stay there. And you don't have to either. Wow. Um, that's really inspiring. And thank you for being so open to talking about that because revisiting that time of your life probably isn't easy. And I recognize that. So again, thank you because seeing your courage and somebody who's as accomplished as you with your platform, being so willing to open up and be vulnerable about something that's so touchy and triggering for a lot of people gives women the confidence to look at themselves and learn to love their bodies, right? Mm -hmm. You being willing to share your journey has helped other women be able to look at themselves in the mirror and recognize all that their bodies mm -hmm. do for, for them on a daily basis. They breathe for us. They carry us. They're strong for us. So it's important that we see all of that and not just focus and zoom in on picking apart our external because everybody and everybody is beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. So thank you again, because I know that we didn't prep that question, but I really appreciate you touching on that because I think you've made such a big impact in that field. But next, I really want to talk about your experience as an author because we work with a lot of really amazing authors here at Success and we we love them all, but I think I can be confident in saying that you are probably the youngest New York Times bestseller that we've ever had the pleasure of talking to. So at 24 years old, you've written what? What is it? Four books now? I think six if you're including fiction six. and devotional. Yeah. Okay. That's insane. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about that and about your experience as a writer. What inspired you to put your thoughts on paper and pursue that avenue of your purpose. Yeah, so I would say I never thought I would do this. You know, I um, it actually kind of surprises me that I write books because whenever I was in school, I actually really struggled to read books. Um, that was something that was so hard for me. I was so bad at paying attention and later found out that I have a little form of dyslexia. So that might have been why it was uh, really hard for me to read. But um, so, yeah, never really would have thought I would become an author like to write. But whenever I was like 15, 16, uh, I guess I was a sophomore in high school. Um, like I said, Dark Dynasty had become pretty famous and well-known, and I started getting asked to speak places with my brother because we were the, the Duck Dynasty kids. And honestly, like, 
I was so scared of that. This is before I, I, you know, of course started speaking and that's what I love doing. But at the time that terrified me. And so I hated it. But the first time I spoke somewhere, literally I was supposed to speak for 25 minutes. I spoke for five and the people asked for their money back. Y'all, it was horrible. So rough start to speaking. So I told my mom, I am never doing that again. That was horribly embarrassing. And then my mom was like, we have so many good things to say, Sadie. Like you, you should go like, you know, you can be a good example and all this stuff. I'm like, mom, clearly that is not what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> but jokes on me because that's what I do. But I like was like, I cannot do that again. And so I said, mom, like, what if I like write a book? Because I think like I do have some stuff to say and I would like to encourage people and be a good example. But like speaking scares me so bad. And so I wrote the book Live Original. And um, it's just so funny. And just this is just so how God works. It's like you say yes to one thing and then just the door flings open. But I wrote the book Live Original. And now like behind me on my wall, it's Live Original. My office is Live Original. That's, you know... Uh, the ministry that I speak from, uh, you know, all the time that I do all my YouTube and all my podcast rooms. So now because of the initial book, that is what has led me to speak. And so that's kind of how I got my start in writing is writing that. And then um, I went through a really big season of fear and just really was afraid of everything. I had so much anxiety through Live Fearless. Then um, years later, I just started noticing that, um, suicide had just been rampant for young people and how it was like the number two or something cause of leading cause of death or one or two. And I was like, this is so sad. So I wrote a book called Live and reminding people that their life had had meaning and purpose and then uh, live on purpose. And so each book has kind of come from either a personal struggle or a struggle I see in the world. And it's just a friend. I consider myself a friend to people that I can walk alongside of them with words and words of life. Kind of what I talked about at the beginning that I could use these words to impact them and touch them and help them to feel seen and known just like that girl did years ago whenever I needed to feel seen and I needed to feel heard and known she allowed me to feel that with her words even though they weren't directly spoken to me I received them and that's what I hope to do with my books and it's been an incredible uh, journey getting to write and getting to meet people who've read my books that have been impacted it's probably one of my favorite things people say to me in public is I read your book and it just hit me in a dark time of my life. And now I'm who I am today. Like that's the coolest. Um, I don't even want to say compliment because not even a compliment to me. It's just really the power of what God can do through words and, and people's life. That's really cool. That's really amazing, Sadie. I had no idea that that's what called you to write your book live is like the suicide rate of our youth because mental health is so important. And it's honestly so tragic right now that the rates are that high. And I know that we live in a world that tries to focus heavily on the importance of mental health, but there are still so many stigmas and judgments around the topics that Mm -hmm. it makes it really hard for people to open up and be vulnerable about their journeys and about what they're going through. But So thank you. Thank you for talking about that because living in a poor mental space can be one of the loneliest places on the planet, right? You can be in a room full of amazing people. And if you're struggling mentally and no one knows, if you're struggling to find that connection and sense of community, you can be in a room full of the most amazing people on the planet and you can still feel like the loneliest person in the world. So thank you for opening up a space in your books for people to find community and for people to identify with struggle and to connect with you through your words. Because Mm -hmm. I'm sure that you've touched the hearts of 
so many more people than you could even imagine. And that's so amazing. So I want to know when people come up to you and they tell you that your words, like your book changed their life and pulled them out of a dark space or a dark place in their their life, what does that mean for you to know that your impact is that big? Yeah, it is honestly the coolest thing ever. It's very humbling. It keeps me wanting more in the sense of not wanting more um, in a worldly sense, not wanting more money, not wanting more success, not wanting more compliments. It keeps me wanting more from the Lord to give to people. Like I want more words to encourage people. I want um, more vision to inspire people because I feel like we live in a really dark world and people say that a lot, but the Bible literally calls us to be the light of the world and to be like a city on a hill. And I'm like, okay, if we're going to do that, if we're going to be the light of the world, then each person has to be their light. And if I can encourage someone to turn the light on in their life, then that is like the most amazing thing ever. And so it really does mean so much to be able to have the impact that um, I've been given. And I hope that I steward it well. I hope that at the end of the day, it's not about me and it's about God and it's about what he's doing in people's life. And yeah, I think it would be a failure if at the end of the day, you know, and when it was all said and done, People just thought about me and didn't think about the ways that God impacted them through the ministry that I was able to be a part of. That's really amazing, Sadie. And, you know, we talk a lot about uh, here at Success about the word impact, especially here on this podcast, because our focus here is women of impact. But something that we also like to talk about here at Success is the word influence and how building and maintaining high levels of influence can positively impact the lives of like a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. And we all have influence, whether you're a CEO, a mom, a teacher, a friend, a boss, mentor, et cetera. It's something that we all have to some degree, right? But if you don't know what the term influence means, and how it can be used in a positive way, the word influencer can almost sound like a bad word, right? Some people choose not to see the good. And there are so many stereotypes that surround the term influencer now, especially with that being a big career path for a lot of people in the world of social media. And a lot of people choose not to see the good in that, even though being an influencer can make and incite a lot of positive changes and growth within people. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to you when people call you an influencer and how do you feel about the term with these stereotypes? And what do you wish that people really knew about what it takes to be an influencer and how yeah. it can be a really good thing? That's great. I actually just wrote another book that's coming out in February called Who Are You Following? And it's about social media and like about how to follow Jesus in a social media obsessed culture. And I kind of thought, I kind of talked about influencers a lot and how influencers, people, you know, give influencers a bad rep. Influencing and influencers are not a bad thing. I always just say, like, make sure that you're not just influencing people to go, you know, get the latest version of the, um, you know, hair wand that you use. It's like, like actually lead people well, like be a person and be a leader worth following. Don't just be an influencer. People follow to get cool things. That's okay. I post cool things all the time. Yesterday I posted about my hatch alarm clock and like, Hey, that's also really cool. I think people should get it. Uh, also post about like, you know, me and Christian doing stupid dances and that's funny, you know, that that's part of it, but also like have something with depth to your 
your page because your page is not just a page. It should represent, you know, your life in a sense. It should be something that brings joy to people or brings a smile to people or, you know, even documents who you really are, represents who you really are. And so, I, I love being an influencer. I just want to be one worth following. And I want to make sure that I'm not just posting swipe up links, but truly, you know, encouraging people in their life. No, that's a really great way to put it. And I love that you put it that way, Sadie, because having influence is more than about inspiring or motivating people to buy the same things as you, right? Like you said, it should be about spreading positivity and love and light and bringing laughter and goodness into the days of the people who follow you. I mean, that's something that you do a really great job of. So I hope that you know that because like I mentioned earlier, and like you said, honestly, being an influencer can be such a great thing and you put it really perfectly. You just have to make sure that you're somebody worth following. Yep. And when you have a platform of influence, especially in a social media driven world, that's, that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. But speaking of social media, I want to talk to you about something else really quick. And that is about comparison because comparison seems to be running rampant and social media, especially now that we have access to the everyday lives of people. But the thing is that a lot of these people that others follow aren't willing to put out everything. They only put out the good stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of their followers are like trapped into comparing themselves to the lives of people who more or less don't exist, right? Because a lot of them aren't like you. They're not willing to be relatable or maintain a level of vulnerability and share their struggles and trials. They just want to share all of the really, really great stuff. And so their followers are stuck comparing their lives to them and looking at their own and thinking that they're not enough. So what advice would you give to the women and people out there who are stuck in this mindset of comparison because comparison is so, so, so easy now that we have almost this inside look into the daily lives of other Mm -hmm. people. So what would you tell to the women and people who are living vicariously through the images of what we see online and through the images of what people are willing to share on social? It's true. I want to say one thing before I go into that. It's kind of funny that you asked me the influencer question because literally on my wall right beside me in my office, I have a big sign and it says, be an influencer worth following. So that really has been something that I've tried to be intentional about. And I think that, you know, with influencing and with social media, one of the biggest things is to just be intentional. And that's something that you don't think about with social media because you just mindlessly scroll. But when you're intentional with it, you really can make a big impact. Um, As far as comparison goes, I do believe that um, comparison is the thief of joy. I think it steals your joy from like, I think it steals like the purity of joy and, and things like who you are and what you love to do. You know, whenever you start to compare yourself, all of a sudden you're not enough. And all of a sudden what you're doing isn't enough. And before you looked around, it was plenty, you know, before you looked around, it actually was pretty quite awesome. And so it is sad. I always think about how like, you know, whenever God created the heavens and the earth, God did not compare any form of his creation. He said all of it was good. He said the sun was good. He said the ocean was good. He said the moon was good. He said that the plants were good. And he said that humans were good. He didn't say one of them was amazing and the other one was incredible. And then some of them were okay. He actually said it was all good. But yeah, here we are. And we look around at all creation and we probably actually say the same thing. We'd say that the sun and the moon, are they're, they're awesome. Like they're great. They're good. The stars are great. The ocean is great. We wouldn't compare any of that creation. Then we look at each other and we're like, meh, like, 
she's good, which means I'm not good. And what part of her being good makes you not good? <laughs> like, that's the same creation. Like, y'all are both awesome for different reasons. And I think the temptation with comparison, too, is for us to morph into the same. For us to I think that's why when a trend happens, we all look the same all of a sudden. And that's okay, but the, the, the part of the beauty of all of us being different is that we all get to be original, that we all get to be, you know, images of God that are different than the other, that we get to bring a new aspect to the world that the world hasn't seen. And so I get fired up about this because I'm like, man, if you would not compare yourself and we would not compare ourselves, we would live in a much more confident, happy, beautiful world. You're, I mean, you're totally right. And I heard you just mention um, that we all have the ability and we all get to be original. So I have to ask you, was comparison on your mind when you titled your book Live Original? Or what inspired you to title your book Live Original? And what does the term original mean to you? Yeah, so Live Original kind of started whenever I was really little. So Whenever I was like five, um, my dad used to give all of my friends nicknames and everyone had a cool nickname. And I was like so jealous because he just called me Sadie. And I was like, dad, like I want a cool nickname. And he would always say to me, Sadie, like, you're just an original. Like that's, you're just an original. I can't give you a nickname. You're, you're Sadie. And I would just be like, original, like that is not a cool nickname. Like that is like too long of a word. Who even knows how to spell it? That is not what, you know, is going to stick for me. The original. Well, then he literally started calling me the original and he got me like when he would go out of town, he'd get me things that say the original on it. You know, he always was just kind of speaking that over me that, you know, I'm not anyone else other than who I am. And and that's a good thing. And I think for so long, I looked at that as not enough. I looked at that as, well, her name is cooler. Or why does she get one? Is her personality better? And I was like, Sadie being Sadie isn't enough. But my dad was saying, no, you being you is exactly who you're meant to be and exactly who you should be. And what powerful way that my like father was speaking that over me. And I think in the same way, that's what God speaks over everyone is that, hey, you're looking around and you want to be cooler and you want to be better and you want to be her and you want to be this. But you being who you are with the name that you've been given is more than enough. It's exactly who you're supposed to be. And when you own that, People are going to see a side of um, you that the world has never seen. And so that's kind of what I want to um, just encourage people with is to be confident in the original person they were created to be, not needing anything else to make them anything better. Who they are and who they were born to be before they have any success, before they put on the makeup, before they get the following, before they have money, before they have a boyfriend, before they have a husband, before they have kids is enough. And it's enough to be confident in right where you are without anything added to Oh, I love that, Sadie. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that the whole brand of Live Original started with you just being original, Sadie. That's that's awesome. What a powerful lesson to teach your young your young kids and talk about teaching authenticity to your kids at a young age. I love that. And but I have to ask you, since you were taught the importance of living and being original, and that's something that you were conditioned to know so young and that's such a central part of your upbringing and your being is being original still something that you struggle with sometimes 
For sure. I mean, I think it's always going to be something that you need to remind yourself of. The longer that, you know, you live, I think, um, and the more you work towards it, I think you will become confident in a place. I will say, since I've had honey, I have been more confident than I've ever been because I want her to be so confident in who she is. And I want her to like know her mom for being her mom and not her mom for trying to be everyone else. Like what honey needs is for me to be her mom and to me to be confident so I can teach her the same thing. And so she's helped me with that. I think before sometimes I'd get insecure and stuff, but since I've had her, I've just been the most confident place um, ever. And it's not because I'm killing it. That is not at all. I've struggled. There's been moments that I need grace. There's been moments that I need um, grace for myself and rest and a restart and a reboot and all the things. Um, But I'm confident in who I am, not because I'm killing it, but because God is good and because I'm confident in who He created me to be and the um, job that He's put in my hands to do. And I think when you can get to that place where you're confident in who you were created to be, confident in the job that's placed in your hands, uh, there's going to be such a ability to your life that you've never felt before, you're going to be able to do more than you've been able to do before. You know, I think you're right. And I think a lot of this does start with confidence and that that confidence leads to stability and leads to us being our most true and authentic versions of ourselves. So I love that you brought up your daughter too, because that goes back to influence, right? You're not just an influencer of social media, but you're also a mom. And I love that you say that you want your daughter to look at you and see her mom, not just someone who's always trying to be somebody else. What a great way to lead by example. Sadie, that is so amazing. You're you're so incredible. And listeners, we're going to take a quick break right here, but stay tuned because everything about Sadie's new book is coming up after the break. All right, everybody, we are back. And Sadie, I want to go ahead and flip the script and talk a little bit about your newest book, Live on Purpose, 100 Devotions for Letting Go of Fear and Following God. Now, we talked a lot about purpose at the beginning of this podcast, but I want to know all about your inspiration behind this new book, how it's different to the other books that you've published in the past, Mm -hmm. and what you're most excited about upon its release. Yeah, it's awesome. So it is officially out today. So I'm very excited about that. Um, so the ways that it's different, there's actually a lot of similarities. So basically, I'm taking what I wrote in Live Fearless, taking what I wrote in Live, and then adding some new elements and basically took all those concepts and broke them up into little devotionals for each day for 100 days. And so, you know, you read a book like Live and you might think, that's a good book and, you know, cool, like awesome, happy about it. But then you're like, how do I actually apply that to my life? You might read Live Fearless and you're like, that's a great concept. I wish I could live fearless, but how do I apply that to my life? This is the book that helps you apply it to your life. This is the book that says, hey, actually live fearless and go do what you're called to do. Actually go out and live life like it's a verb and it's meant to be lived and it's going to be lived well by, you know, you waking up today and doing it. And here's how, you know, and so each Each day there's a scripture and there's a devotion of encouragement. So it'll be whether it's a story about my life, a story about someone in the Bible's life, and it's encouraging you where you're at to go live on purpose to press past fear um, in some capacity or another. And there's a prayer at the end. So it's just allowing you to take the words to heart and actually be able to transform your life with it. So I I hope it is a transformative book that people don't just read it and skim it, but they actually pick it up, take it as daily bread, you know, pray the prayer, 
ask for God to, you know, actually do something in their life with it, read the scripture and go and truly start to live their life to the full. And you tell your own stories throughout the book, right? Yeah, so I tell a lot of my own stories. Um, so a lot of stories we've even talked about in this talk uh, are in the book. Things from my, you know, younger childhood to who I am now um, and how I kind of had to press past things and pivotal moments in my life to actually choose to live on purpose. Well, that's awesome, Sadie. And at the beginning of this book, which I've already had the chance to read, by the way, and I've I've gotten the chance to dive in and read some of it, and it's really great. I really do love it. Thank um, you. Yeah, no, of course, of course. But at the beginning, you tell a story about being young and at basketball camp. And we've been talking a lot about the importance of living original on this podcast already, but this story was really incredible to me because it shows how at 13 years old um, – 13, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. 13. You were just a young teenager yourself and you already had the courage to stay away from peer pressure, to stay true to yourself and your morals and step aside from the expectations of other people and stay away from the actions of those around you that you didn't want to be associated with. Now, I think that is just amazing because like we mentioned before, you were at such a young and impressionable age and you were able to do something that most adults can't claim that they can do very well um, at this point in their lives. And you're able to stay true to your values and ethics and not conform to the behaviors of those people around you if they weren't something that you wanted to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And a lot of grown people, not just teenagers, but grown-ups struggle with this on a day-to-day -day basis. So how were you able to stay true to yourself so young? And what is that story? Can you tell everybody a little bit about that so maybe they can learn from you and learn how to move forward with their own initiatives despite the fear of judgment and disapproval from other people? Yeah, it's good. You know, I think... Um I would say it's courage, but I also would say it's kind of conviction. Uh, I knew that what I was being asked to do at the time. So for context, I was 13 and I was actually um, playing in this festival um, over in Austria. It was... Um, for Team USA. I went over there first time I was out of the country by myself without my parents. And there was like this crazy parties going on while we were there. And even though we were only 13 and underage, like there was a lot of drinking and there was craziness happening. And I did not feel comfortable at all being there. But part of our basketball team, we had to be represented at each of the parties that um, the festival was throwing. And so I had to show up. And it was, it was actually at the Junior Olympics Festival. So there's like people from all over every country there. And so like Team America, USA had to show up. Well, I didn't feel comfortable with it. And so I think this is where it comes into like the conviction of like, this is not aligned with who I am. This is not aligned with my values and what I stand for. And so I'm just not going to participate. And so I sat by the door every night at every party. And it was funny because at first I was sitting by the door alone and I was like, okay, well, that's fine. I'll just wait it out. And then towards the end of the week, like I had so many people sitting at the door with me because what I realized is like, a lot of people that didn't align with their values and a lot of people that didn't align with their heart, but they were too scared to be the one to, to step aside. So I think part of it is courage to be the one in the midst of everyone else, you know, following the crowd, like be the one who sits by the door, be the one that says like, actually, I'm not going to do this today because this is not what I'm, this is not what either I'm capable of doing right now, or this is not what I uh, feel like comfortable with doing. And then two, like feel if you feel convicted, like step aside, like 
you don't have to wait for someone else to do it, like do it for yourself. And you'll be surprised that other people will probably join you. But even if people make fun of you and even if people, you know, don't understand you, it's always worth it to stay true to who you are because you get to go to sleep with peace at night. And that all goes into being a leader and not a follower, right? Like being a leader, not a follower. And that all plays Mm -hmm. into that influence that we've been talking about this whole podcast. So this is a great example, Sadie. You were an influencer at 13 and didn't even realize it, right? That's I guess so. I you know what? We all have an that's a good point. We all have an opportunity to be an influencer. And I don't I think people have made up the definition of influencer really small by making it about people with millions of followers. Being an influencer is being a leader in your sphere sphere of influence. No matter if that's 10 people, 5 people, 500,000 people, 5 million people, it doesn't actually matter how many. If you're influencing people, you're an influencer. And I, I, I'm glad that you said that. That's a good point. I'm glad we talked about it, right? Because it's true. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's true. And I'm, you are a perfect example. So before we wrap up our conversation, Sadie, I want to dive a little bit deeper into a few last things. But I want to know more about who you are, and what drives you, what drives Sadie, because you inspire people and young people everywhere. You're a role model for an entire generation of future leaders. And I want to know a little bit about what it is that makes you want to wake up every morning and do all of the amazing things that you do, writing, speaking, podcasts, and so much more. What is your driving force? I think for me, like everything for me is driven out of the place of loving God and loving people, truly. Like I, you know, wake up in the morning and I want to love God well and I want to love my people well. I want to love my family well. I want to be a good wife. I want to be a good mom. I want to be a good friend. And then I want to take that and I want to do that with people on a global level. You know, people who follow me on Instagram, people who watch my videos on YouTube, people who are picking up my book that day, people who are reading my podcast. I mean, sorry, reading my blog that day, listening to my podcast. Like I want to love them well. And part of loving them well is um, saying words that allow them to feel love, uh, saying words that lead them to my ultimate goal, to loving God, so that people can know that they were made on purpose for a purpose, that they were um, made and they can actually have joy in a world that's really dark. They can have peace in a world that's really scary. They can have, you know, strength whenever they feel weak. Like that's who God is and that's what I want to show people. And so that genuinely is what drives me. Um, and honestly, I, I, I love even driven by that because it feels like a lot of purpose is involved and it feels like my influence like matters and it's really cool. Absolutely. And, you know, I just mentioned earlier that you have a huge influence on an entire younger generation and you have a lot of people who follow you from, um, Gen Z, I guess we'll call them. Mm -hmm. And, Some people, I think, have a pretty big misconception that this generation can be hard to influence because they have preconceived ideas that they're full of stubborn kids who live in a world of their own and maybe um, that these kids aren't willing to sit back and listen. But a lot of these young adults and people of the upcoming generations are the ones that are going to be the biggest change makers. They, they listen the most and want to make the biggest impact. So what does it mean for you to serve as a voice for these younger people who are eventually going to grow up and be our leaders and be our thought leaders and spokespersons? 
yeah, it's a huge driving force for me too, knowing that I'm leading the way, like seeing my daughter even behind me and saying, okay, like she's coming, like she's growing up, she's going to be a leader in, in her own way. And I'm like, okay, that's very convicting. That's very compelling to want to live my life um, to the full and live my life and be the best influencer that I can be in this time in history. And knowing that I do have a generation listening to me, that, that is an honor and, and also humbling to know that a, a generation has allowed me to be a voice that speaks into their life. I know that they have so many voices speaking into their life. And I think that's the thing with Gen Z is that they've heard it all, they've seen it all, and they are having to decide what do I believe. And so for me, I hope that I can encourage them that, hey, like, you don't have to just follow the trends of the world that tell you that they're, it's going to give you things with empty promises. Like, there is promises of God that are yes and amen that actually have purpose for your life. And so I just hope to, you know, give Gen Z um, a place. I want to say, I, I hope to give Gen Z, like, something with purpose, something with stability, because I think a lot of people are throwing things at them and ideas at them that don't actually bring you joy. They bring you temporary satisfaction. And I want to give them something sustaining. And I know that that's found in God. And so it is an honor to be um, one of the leaders in this generation and having them, you know, in a sense, listening. I hope that we set a good example and also let people see that we're not perfect and you don't have to be either. But just because you're not perfect doesn't mean you're not worthy of love. And so uh, that's been a really cool thing to get to share. I love that, Sadie. I really do. And a lot of what we talk about here at Success is success-focused, obviously, right? We talk a lot about finances and climbing the ladder and confidence in the workplace and shattering ceilings. And all of that is really important. I mean, it really is. But I love having conversations like this with you, Sadie, because I feel like sometimes I'm always asking people about the more factor, if you will, like how we can get more, 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 more. But I've loved this conversation because it reminds us that it's important to outside of just looking for more, it's important to look inside and remember that focusing on joy, authenticity, confidence, happiness, all of that is central to our success yep. and really learning how to be happy already, mm -hmm. just living 100% authentically and originally in yep. ourselves. It's a good thing to note because I've been to so many countries where they don't have money and they don't have success and they don't have fame and they don't even have phones, but yet they're the happiest people that I've ever met. Now I've been here and I've been around people who have millions of followers and uh, planes and cars and all the things and they're the most unhappy people. And so I've seen enough to know that success is not equal happiness, you know, and so if it that doesn't equal happiness, then what does? And I think that's where I found that truly things that are bigger than yourself that are like they they can't fall off tomorrow. Like if your whole confidence and your whole life is on your money, well, that could literally go away tomorrow. Like let's root ourselves in something bigger than that that's actually sustaining and actually a long term situation. I like that you mentioned that because I think that there's also ways that we can leverage all of the things that we're so privileged to have over here for good, right? Like for you sure. mentioned that you have been to countries where people don't even have food, let alone phones. So there are ways that we can use all of these privileges like social media for good, for the betterment of ourselves, for the betterment of people, but we don't always do that but we can. So how would you recommend that people go about starting to leverage all of the things that they have for the 
good ways in their life. Yeah, I think back to what I said earlier is it takes intentionality. You know, it takes um, intentionality to be generous with your money. It takes intentionality to be um, useful with your time. It takes intentionality to be a good influencer on social media because the temptation throughout life is to just coast, is to just wake up and exist because you know what? You're alive. So just live, you know, but there's actually a great uh, challenge in actually being intentional about living, actually putting forth effort into your life and seeing the people around you and speaking into the ones around you and giving to the ones around you and, you know, actually influencing the ones around you. And so I think if people would just be a little bit more intentional to see, open your eyes to see the ways that you can impact the world. Maybe it is with your social media. Maybe you have 500 followers. Well, guess what? That is 500 people who are looking at you. That's 500 people who are giving you an opportunity to speak into their lives and set an example for them. Do you understand that 500 people, if they all went to one person, you know, it becomes then a thousand people, you know, so you never know how your impact is going to have such a chain reaction. And I think having an impact doesn't have to do with success always. And it doesn't have to do with following Having an impact really has to do with intentionality. You're so right. And Sadie, you are so inspirational. You motivate so many people and you're so profound. And you're proof that you can get started on your purpose at any point in your life. It doesn't matter if you're 13 or 50. It's never too early and it's never too late. So thank you for joining us here on Success Stories and for making such a positive impact in the world. You are great. Your books are great. You're so accomplished and we have loved having you here. But before we wrap up, I want you to tell everybody where they can find you outside of this podcast and where they can grab a new copy of your book. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, legit Sadie Rob, and then pretty much you can find me everywhere else from there. I'm on YouTube. I have a podcast called Whoa, That's Good that comes out on Wednesdays. If you go to liveoriginal.com, you can kind of see everything that we're doing and up to. And of course, you can buy the book really anywhere that books are sold. Right. Well, thank you for coming on, Sadie. I had a great conversation with you. I know that everybody enjoyed this as much as I did, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. This has been Success Stories with Madison Piper. If you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe, drop a review, and tell your friends. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, go to success.com slash podcasts.